Digital Jesus. Digital Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I rejected it fiercely for years. Why? I don't know. I was rebelling. I felt like I was on a particular path and I didn't want to be off that path. And I didn't want to know that that was, I didn't want to accept that that was the truth. There's a lot of um, attachments to being a, a Christian, societal attachments to that. Like, are you just a, a nutter, Christian, Jesus, nutter, and, you know, stuff like that. So I don't feel like I was in a place that I wanted to be ridiculed in that way. I'd, I'd experienced and suffered enough ridicule. And it was much safer and comfortable and acceptable. And this is the problem. To be a Buddhist, that's more new age, isn't it? That's more earthly. That's all enlightenment. That's all that that to, in today's society, it's more acceptable to say you're a Buddhist than it is to say you're a Christian. Anything other than a Christian. I was so resistant to it because that would mean my life would have to change in a way that maybe I wasn't prepared for it to change. I suppose I just didn't want to give in. It might have been an aspect of I didn't want you to be right. That could have played a part in it, you know. I don't know. I've just thought that that's a possibility. Well, when you say you, you mean the royal you or me in terms of my imagination? No, you in terms of you, um, in terms of you speaking to me about it. You, uh, you speaking to me about Jesus, and I felt like don't be forcing me to do anything. That's how I took it, not necessarily how you was giving it being challenged and and I suppose I don't like being challenged like that to do something I'm not ready to do but then so as I said I was on this path and I'd always anyway had an experience many years ago when I was 25 to know that Jesus is real is a real thing I couldn't get answers to it at that time my experience and so I I just moved away from it. I just thought, well, there's nobody here to help me with that situation. So I went in a different direction. I, I didn't have faith and trust in the church at that time. So I moved away from it and I just went along another 25-year path of doing other stuff. I had lots of re reasons for the resistance. But then when it started to happen for me, when I knew and I see, it was like I just woke up to the devil and the reality of the devil. The belief in oneself being the solution. I went down the same pathway with a Buddhism thing, and I tried to figure out every way I could to not just reject it, but refute God, to disprove God. Because by disproving God, I would be able to prove God. But what I was doing was I was in the God seat. I was playing God. It was the business of self. I know better. I'm going to figure out you're not real. And then if I don't, then you can add me. And it's like, really, it's quite conceited, isn't it? it, it well, it is. It's a sin. It's all part of the journey, isn't it? Coming from it, from that point of view and mine, it just makes it all that more stronger when you actually realise you, you do ask Jesus for salvation. Yeah. It, because it, it is even a more powerful testimony how you got there. Even the disciples were not all straight on board. Doubting Thomas, right, even to the end, seeing all the miracles, the healings, crucifixion. He's standing there in front of him going, I'm here. What, what more do you need? What more can I tell you? I'll stick your finger in here. Where did he stick his finger? He told him to put it through his hand, I think it was, through the stigmata. 
Oh. And he had the he had the hole in his chest. So that's after he was resurrected. I was a definite doubting Thomas then. I was always in and out of church, in and out of churches, but I would have told you I was a Buddhist, but I'd have said I'm practicing detachment, meditation, maybe not so much transcendentalism, but I like the word and I thought I was doing it. (laughs) (laughs) The walking meditations, oh, the sutras, you know, and I could recite them now just as you can. And and there's part of me that still thinks that maybe it is okay to have a sutra with a shortcut. It's kind of a prayer if it has a good intention. So maybe it's not so bad. No, they're all prayers. I think it's the intention, isn't it? So I was all about, you know, I was like, no, I don't need you because this is like a program for living. That's how I really thought it was. I thought it was like helping me to stay together. And and in some ways it was. If I look back at my life, it, it was definitely part of the journey in a sense that it took me from a person who was riddled with addictions and uh, failed uh, toxic relationships who come from toxic relationships and addiction my life was full of it uh, and, and I had this sort of I leaned into this one element of uh, if you like religion which was Buddhism I kind of felt comfortable with the imagery yeah. like you know yourself because I gave it to you I had that big bust yeah. of Buddha and I loved that bust of Buddha I remember when I bought it it's like the best thing ever I couldn't believe how much I paid for it as well it's, in my <laughs> mind you know it was like 80 quid or something it was huge and I was, 80 quid for that is that all I was like hey, I've just ripped you off you know <laughs> not knowing what I've just took into my house <laughs> <laughs> but I took into my house a representation of something which is, is well I know now according to the Bible which is a false idol right you're not meant to pray to false idols you're not meant to raise anything up apart from Jesus and even he says don't you know don't do that don't do that in my particular journey I was always exposed to Christianity conversations evangelists used to knock at the door come to the house and and mum used to get sort of ministered to and I used to list sit in the carpet playing my cards and I always loved it when they came because I knew that there would be peace in the house and I actually used to get quite upset Mm -hmm. when they left because I knew that the peace was gone then that there was no stability in that sense because he's unstable Obviously, there's a whole history about that. That's a whole other story. But from a spiritual perspective, we never knew where we were, did we? No. It was always rocky. It was rocky ground. They used to come in and minister to her. This is sort of covering a bit of the, the parable of the sower here. She'd be like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. And yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And then and all that beautiful, the word come in and cleanse the house, cleanse her, cleanse me. And then they'd leave. It's like, you just pulled away from me. Why did you leave? Why can't you move in? <laughs> Why don't you move in? I'll give you my bed. I'll be happy. <laughs> And so I had, I was in, I knew then that there was something powerful about what was happening in those moments. But yeah, I had no say because I was a you don't get to speak, you don't have an opinion, kid. And it wouldn't have mattered anyway. And then, of course, what would happen was that seed that that person planted, all that effort that they put in, it didn't go to waste. Ultimately, mum did get saved by me on the telephone. She said the salvation prayer, and he's no doubt working on her as we speak, uh, as he is with all of us. But At that time, it was falling on rocky ground because it was just a matter of hours, probably days, where where she just slipped back into her old 
unstable ways. That's really a clear indication of the power of the word. It can only stay for so long because it other you know, all those other elements start yeah. to seep in and corrupt and yeah. pull you away and the word just goes, it evaporates. Why? Because there's no long lasting commitment to it. Mm. And, and so for those people who are evangelizing, they were planting seeds and then topping it up and topping it up and no doubt going away and having their own Christian walk and investing in time with God, Bible, Christians, fellowship, etc., to strengthen themselves. And that's what we do as individuals. So even though I was a Buddhist, I was still going into churches and I, was, I had most peace when I was in a church growing up with all of those insights and prayers and I was learning about prayers and I talked about in my other podcasts, I think it was too, about when I first heard the word Jesus. So from the, from the off, I was spoken to by the Holy Spirit. I'd been introduced to Jesus by the age of perhaps 18 months and then it took right until the age of 43 when I literally, I was in the church where Kate and William was due to get married a few days later and I went in to confess it and I and the, and the, the whoever oh, yeah, yeah the, the priest priest. chucked me out because he said you're not you can't come in here and do that you need to be confirmed and I said confirmed as what and he <laughs> and he went go and speak to your local church or something and I said no I said I, I'm a, I am a Christian you need to take my confession and I thought for years he was wrong but but when I sat outside on the bleachers that all the camera crews were setting up to get the best shot of the royal couple, um, I looked back at that church and I and then I looked up and I went, listen, I go, I'm done with you messing around with me. If you really do exist and you want me to somehow be involved in, in what you're offering, then you're going to have to come and get me now. I'm not coming in your church anymore. And then a few months later, I find myself living in another country uh, and getting uh well sober right and this ties back into what you are going to start talking about which is about all of the the the, the demonic distractions that are also running alongside it's like a battle for our soul really that's going on isn't it would you say yeah definitely Definitely, there's a lot of distractions trying to take us away from from that. And I, I can't remember now because uh, what I was going to say, but um, well, you're going to talk about all the distractions, all the um, all the elements of life that came in. Perhaps you was going to talk about, you know, all your challenges. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, because then I woke up to the 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 evil, the evil that's on this planet. That's, that's when I, I started to think there's such evil, there has to be a God. But, you know, because there's an, op- there's an opposite to everything, right? You can't just have uh, one of something. There's got to be a, an equal, not an equal opposite, sorry, just an opposite. So you've got good, you've got bad, you've got happy, you've got sad, you've got yin, you've got yang. And so I was thinking, you know, there's definite evil happening when I woke up to the atrocities that are happening, particularly to children across the globe. And that there's evil. So then there must be a God, this God that I've been trying to deny for the majority of my life, this God that I've been re- rebelling against all of my life, even 
in uh, literature, when I came across the word God, I'd cross it out and write higher power or HP because I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't even want to say the word God. I'd, I'd be really rebellious to that. I can't, I don't know if rebellious is the right word, but I was very resistant to even using the word God, the level of the demon that got into me. I'll tell you, but I was, I was like, no, uh, that's the denouncing, isn't it? I suppose that you spoke of is denouncing. It's like, I'm not rejecting. going to admit to it. I am not going, yeah, rejecting. I am not going to believe in it. I, I remember we had an argument over it, over God, <laughs> over me not saying God. Well, you see, that's interesting because you, yeah, you call it arguing, but I called it a, a heated debate. Well, not an argument, a debate. Yeah, I was getting wound up. You was getting, um, what's the word? Um, passionate. <laughs> passionate. Was, okay, I'll take that. I'll take both that. of those, pious and passionate. And I was getting angry and resentful. And, and it was like, well, if I want to call it higher power, then I can. Why are you talking to me about God? Da, 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 da. Anyway, it was quite a heat, it was a very heated debate that we had. And we've had lots of heated debates over god and jesus and there's even one time i've sort of like i feel um you've got to stop doing this to me and i'm just we've got to agree not to talk about religion and you wouldn't agree with me and i said well i'm making a decision then and i'm i'm gonna go now because i'm just it's too much for me and i just hang up on the phone and so there were lots of those sort of things happening but i just I went through so much just to go, I'm not going there. But then when I saw this, sort of, it was last year, 2020, when, you know, there's lots of things I was had more time to be involved in. I, you know, I woke up to the realities of what's going on more so. I mean, I was a little bit awake to stuff, but then there was one event that just opened my eyes straight up. And I don't, I don't know, we're not going to maybe mention that now so it was there had to be a god and so i was try still at that point going oh my goodness there, there is a god there is a god there's got to be a god and then i started getting uh, what as soon as i started to realize that things started to come in and i was being more drawn to things that were talking more about god and then i got then i got drawn to this uh, comedian alistair williams because he was funny, I saw some outclip that he did. He'd done some uh, news skit, and and I thought it was really funny. And I just started to follow him and watch his YouTube videos and so on. So I was watching Alistair Williams. I was just watching him, and then I he does like church on Sunday, and I was like, oh. Well, I just watched that because I liked his voice. I just felt I'll just go and watch it. So I started uh, learning about the Bible again and I was like, I know this stuff. And um, I was really resonating with it. And then I was sort of being drawn to church every Sunday <laughs> rather than doing my Buddhist practice. I literally lost complete interest in my Buddhist practice. And I stopped chanting and I just went to church. And it started from there. And then I I might have mentioned it to you that I was doing it, but I think I was probably trying to keep it secret because I didn't want anybody to know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, this whole thing about, and then I was thinking, oh, maybe David's right. Maybe he's <laughs> right about Jesus. Um, 
<laughs> and then Alistair was saying, you know, I'm going to, God saved the stream. He said, I'm going to keep doing this. I keep getting deplatformed. I keep getting cancelled. But he's like, I'm just going to keep going because if this, if I can keep this channel going and keep saving people, because through his channel of doing like live streams of comedy and just talking about what's going on in in today you know whatever the subject was of the day people were going across to his church channel as well and so a lot of people have been saved that way he said I'm just got to keep it going and so yeah and I just thought I can't be telling anybody I'm going down because I need to get this right with myself I need to know this is right for me and then lots of things happened in the meantime but it just kept getting stronger for me, the feeling that I needed to be involved, you know, I needed to be away from my Buddhist practice and I needed to be in Jesus practice. We were talking about something and you sent me a video of Joyce Mayers. Where she talks about the bows on the tree. Yeah, about the prodigal son coming back home. And that made me cry. I was standing in the chippy at the time and I was like, oh, well enough, I had to press pause on it. I can't stand in the chippy, having my salvation in the chippy. You can if it's my chippy. <laughs> it, it wasn't your. It wasn't your chippy. It wasn't your chippy. Um, and I thought I'll go home and I'll do it. I'll listen again in my kitchen, and it was in my kitchen that I, I did the whole thing in the salvation prayer with Joyce Mayer. I remember. Then you said to me, "Did you think I was saved?" Yeah. And I was like, God heard you. If you said it, God heard you. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did it again. I did it again after that conversation. Well, that actually, when I told you, you said to me, well, now's the time to go and buy the Bible. And then I had like an hour to get to the shop to go and get a Bible. And there was a rush to get there. And, and I got there and bought one. What was poetic about that was that that was a reverse image of what happened to me yeah. the day that I called you. And I use your very same words. I said, can I strike while the iron's hot? <laughs> I've done you and you couldn't get out of it. God done you. You did yourself. That's the beauty of it. You talk yourself into it. Yeah. <laughs> I set myself up. I remember I, w- I waited for... Look, I'm ready to out myself about that because really it's kind of pertinent to the story. So I'm all right if you're all right. Okay, so can I say it? Because you did say sober. Yeah. I, I waited 14 years for you to ring me to say that you, you, wanted, um, you wanted help with that. And so it was 14 years of me trying to do the same as you did to me with Jesus, as me sending you stuff, pretending it's not from me, someone else's handwriting, but you know it's from me and you're getting angry with me. Like, who does she think she is sort of thing? And um, so I was sending you stuff uh, about recovery. Oh, yeah, in the white envelope. Yeah, the who me. Because it lived down there with bills that I thought I didn't want to open and face as well. I refused to pick it up and even throw it in the bin because I could see the little red bit sticking out is AA for you. And I used to literally put my back to it and, and squeeze down the passage and squeeze out the door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was agoraphobic. I went to, I was at that time, I was at the doctors telling them 
you know, I think I might be agoraphobic. She's like, what makes you say that? I go, because I don't want to come here. I just broke the seal <laughs> to get here. I haven't been out for three weeks. I, pop, I go out at night time, like, uh, you know, five minutes before the chicken shop shuts with my hoodie on and head down. And, <laughs> I and remember those there. days. <laughs> Live on my sofa, you know, which is barely big enough for a cat to sleep on. And, uh, you know, I had all sorts of dips in my back and problems and whatever. And the, But no, I was all right. <laughs> all <laughs> There's right. nothing wrong it's with coping. me, yeah. It's slowly dying, but he was all right. Yeah, yeah, I was um, all right. I was doing yeah. everything. I was having uh, parties for one. You know, I was. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I literally was. I was getting a, like a little bag of coke and a and a and an eighth of gear and a, like a, not not brown an eighth of hash or weed or whatever, and then and forty cigarettes, a bottle of vodka, a bottle of Kahlua, but a. a a bottle of milk or whatever, a carton of milk, whatever it is, and then some uh, some nutmeg. I thought I was proper stylish. I used to get proper real nutmeg and grind that into my cocktails, my white Russians and uh, white Russian background. I was thinking, yeah, this is pretty cool. And I was getting four cans of Red Stripe to chase that with. And I, you know, I used to put my uh, music on and I, work, I could play the music in my apartment, my flat at uh, number 11 anyway, and nobody dared come and send me off. <laughs> I'd play it for 24 hours straight and no one would come and say anything. I, I, occasionally I got a whack up on the ceiling from underneath with a broom and I could hear, rah, 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 rah. she was lovely, that woman. She's a Christian, actually. And I used to go, yeah. she used to, bless her, she'd knock on the door and she'd go, can you just like turn the bass down? No. <laughs> <laughs> She's brilliant. I've blessed that woman. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and I thought, oh, I don't want to, you know, I better start being nice to the neighbors a bit. So I used to put my headset on with my iPod or whatever and just listen to my own tunes. Because uh, being an addict isn't a selfish act, proved by the fact <laughs> that I used to spend all night listening to my own tunes. <laughs> the ones that I made, I'd have them on loop. The ego. Yeah, I remember one night I I, ne- I nearly blacked out in the kitchen because that was I used to set everything out on the workbench in the kitchen and I used to go into the kitchen do everything in there because obviously I didn't want to get seen on the top floor <laughs> on the made, top floor yeah exactly with nobody Fair able floor. to look in I can see like top of a building <laughs> and trees in the distance or whatever but yeah I'm para that somebody's got to see me <laughs> sniffing off of a table or something you know five stories up in the air and uh, so I used to go in the kitchen and with all the blinds shut and, and it's just, I'm sort of my life then as an addict and I remember the uh, I remember one day the, the postwoman she not she came to the door and for some reason I have no idea why I decided to open the door this day I never answered the door to anyone she'd been my postwoman for like before I spoke to her probably I don't know six years maybe five six oh, years and I just hid from everyone it was proper and then yeah. and, uh, and i opened the door and it was her and she said oh you decided to come to the door then <laughs> she sort of held out the television license thing the envelope the brown one with a whatever on it and uh oh yeah and, and i looked at her and i swear i reckon i don't know what was holding me up it was like 
air or something because I stood there and I reckon if a face could make you fall over, I had it. And she just looked at me and she went, you don't want that one, do you? I'll send that one back, shall I? Like this. And I went, yeah, thanks. And so, yeah, so you were sending me letters and all sorts with, yeah. I was sending you all sorts, talking to you about AA. Um, and and then I gave up, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, we'd fallen out at that point. We'd fallen out at that point because I rang you on my birthday and I was pissed. Oh, yeah. And you go, I yeah, can't speak right. to you while you're pissed. I go, who do you think you are? Someone special. Why can't you speak to your brother? Yeah, I've had a couple of drinks. Sound like anyone you know? Yeah. To imagine that all those events were unfolding and God knew that all that was going to happen as well and that you was going to suffer. He still had a plan to save you amongst all that so he couldn't stop that because it had to happen so that you would see that you need to be to come home yeah because it's interesting because it was like maybe the year before that i'd started to have flashbacks about childhood abuse yeah and then and then the following year i realized the real you know the the all the real evil shit that's going on with kids, and then it was like that really hit me hard, and so that's sort of that it was those things happening that helped me to get connected to that to realize the level of evil in this world, you know the the being the god also what came along was the whole b l m thing the covid thing the the oppression oh yeah, the covid. Well, that happened, yeah, that happened after I spoke up um, to mum, wasn't it? That I spoke up about the abuse to mum. And then the COVID stuff kicked in not long after that. And then, the yeah, the BLM stuff happened. The, the LGBTQ stuff, that exploded a bit later. Although it was, it's always been happening, not always, but it has been happening over a period of time, but there was a bigger explosion of it more recently. I'd like to think that somewhere at that time there was, uh, you know, uh, the devil was having a meeting and then and then someone rushes in and goes, it's on top, it's on top. And he's going, what, what's going on? It's all kicking off. God's on the case. What are we going to do? Because the devil, no, he's like, oh, no, it's on top. Yeah. Right, we're going to have to start kicking things into gear now, up in the ante. Let's throw some COVID down. Let's throw some blah, blah, whatever, you know. Down. Let's start picking up the pace. But the devil didn't realise was that it was going to wake me up to God. He didn't realise he didn't have that planned. He didn't know about that. God knew about that. The devil don't know that God's been building a team down here. Yeah, Jesus is here. Jesus is coming back. He's here. He's here all the time. He's everywhere all at the same time. You know, the Trinity. So it's important to say that. But in terms of him announcing himself again, you know, wherever that comes from, whoever that comes from, you know, and it, it talks about revelation that there will be a false representation of that. Somebody will announce himself as that, but don't be fooled. It won't be the one. How will you know? You will you know because of something else we talked about already, which is about your gut, because your, your Holy Spirit works from the gut. Yeah. And the gut is also that thing that kept you on track, even when all of that was happening, I would argue yeah i would say because i have instilled in me this never give up spirit and that's jesus 
He never gives up. He never gave up on anybody or anyone. So I feel like that's always been in, instilled in me, that spirit. Even when I've wanted to give up, I haven't given up. I've, I Literally, I have many times wanted to give up, but I haven't. The day that I hit a bottom, I was in the car on the way to work. I'd prayed. And I said, I don't know if you do exist or if you're listening, but I can't do it anymore. I give in. I was like, I give in. Tell me what to do. And then the next thought that came into my head was ring mum. I rang mum and I said, I, I don't know what to do. You know, I, I, I don't know what to do because on a Thursday after work, I go out for one drink and I don't come home till Monday and I can't seem to stop doing it. I just get on it. And I just confessed everything. And then for the first time ever, she said to me, I can't help you. And I was like, you're not supposed to say that, but you did. What am I going to do? And he said, you need to call your sister. And I'm like, oh, no. Is that what you're saying? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I remembered I'd asked God to help me. So I was being obedient. So I literally disconnected that call and went straight to your number and called you and then you answered and he went quiet for a second and I went I think I might be an alcoholic I know you went are you all right and I went no I'm, I'm actually not I can't make out I can't lie anymore I can't tell you I am when I'm not I said I think I might be an alcoholic and then I, he went quiet and I thought oh no I've really upset you and I, and I went now I've let you down I haven't been a proper drinker because I thought you used to go, I thought you went to AA to find out how to drink properly and get on with your life, to go out on a Thursday and come home on a Thursday. Well, that's what people think, or that you're there helping people. Well, no, I thought it was ninja drinking skills, like an oh, okay. like a degree in drinking skills or life skills and still doing everything yeah. you needed to do. I don't know what I thought, but I, I didn't think that it was what it was. And then you was crying. I realised you was crying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I was saying, like, it's, I've been waiting for this day. It's the best phone call. It's the best phone call I've ever had. I've been waiting for this call for 14 years. Yeah, the best phone call. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't stop crying. And I, I was trying not to cry. But it was just like, finally, he's not going to, you know, he's got a chance of not dying. Yeah. And so it's it's a bit like, I don't know if that's how you felt like that, just joy. It was such a mix of emotions, that joy and that relief. And that finally, you know, you're ready to get some help and that you won't die because that was, that's where I knew you were going. I knew you were going there. Well, two things had to happen, didn't they, for me to get there. I had to re- hit rock bottom, and I did, and that's another story. And then I had to surrender, you know. I had to surrender. That was it, wasn't it? It's the first stage of uh, coming out of denial is acceptance. Yeah, because you used to spend time around me, like when we did sort of go through our challenging times where we wouldn't speak, then we would speak, wouldn't speak, would speak. And that when uh, it was getting more and more difficult for you to be around me and not because I would say anything to you, but just because of my being, because I wasn't drinking, because I wasn't smoking, I wasn't taking drugs. I was being sober and clean. I was clean living. 
and that was really hard for you to be around. Yeah, you turned me off my beer, which has pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> turned me off my red stripes. Yeah. I'll never forget I came to that sort of garden party you had where you put up your gazebo and that, and I turned up with a four-pack, you know, a four for a fiver, and I was gutted. I couldn't drink one. It pissed me right off. <laughs> <laughs> Because nobody drank and I couldn't work it out. Yeah. I was like, she's brought them all to gang up on me. Like, she's told them all not to drink. So I feel bad. Like, I'm like here that. for a piss up and I've got to go in the toilet and have a sip of me lager. I don't know. But you, I would imagine that you would have got more drunk after those occasions. Uh, I don't know if that would have been true because it's kind of, you know, it's um, not being able to drink. You know that. That's a horrible feeling when you're in a situation where you feel you really need to be doing something and you don't feel able to. Well, I was a binge drinker. Yeah, me too. That's what it turned out to be in the end. Yeah. Uh, But I could go like six months without a drink, really, and then get back on it without anything. Yeah. Well, I went nine months without a drink when I was pregnant. So, yeah. You know, you can any any if you're given a situation and you're not in recovery, you're given a good enough reason. You can give up for a certain amount of time. I mean, it talks about in the big book with that guy who's a car salesman. He gave up for many, many, many years, many years, because he had a good reason to. Yeah, but then he had a insane thought that one day when he went to have his milk, he'll have a bit of whiskey and that. And so you know, it's. We, we can for a period of time. You know, talking of uh, you saying about how you couldn't say it and how the rooms of recovery have doctored it to keep themselves in the God position because they haven't really let go, yeah. those people. You know, they're throwing the towel in, but they're still holding on to it. Those are the ones that are trying to, you know, change the narration of the story. And this is this is going back to, you know, that I was sort of touching on it with the Bible. We don't know what's been edited, what's been taken out, what's been put in. But mm. but with the Bible, you know the effects of it because of the results it has when we use it, when we read it, and, and what the effects we have from the different perspectives that we have because we're join the team as opposed to not in the team and i think it's the same with recovery unless you properly join the team unless you properly let go to god and that you know yeah. I, I mean i don't know how because this is gonna go out you know this is gonna be a podcast and so to talk about recovery in this sense the program and everything they say you're not meant to it's meant to be an anonymous program right well anonymous fellowship people rather than program the program's not anonymous so we're all friends of bill but don't tell me don't say who but it's up to me what you know and i've I've come across people in the rooms of recovery and they say no it's up to me whether i want to be open about my recovery it's an individual choice but it's not uh, it's not right for me like that's why i have to ask you permission if you want to go there are you ready to go there because i am because we have to seek that permission in others we can't out them they have to be able to see it. so like and now you've got people like you know the brand wagon who have put themselves up for being uh scrutinized over their recovery because they've told everyone they're in it and now okay now you're now you're open to you know being as i said scrutinized so yeah but then they become like a voice for recovery and they're not because they're fallible right and so we shouldn't attach recovery to people that are in tv and 
uh, film and, you know, uh, like that's one of the traditions, the tradition. Yeah, yeah which is uh, principles, not personalities. Yeah. And, and of course, when you've got somebody who's hanging um, rehab on their bedpost, like, a, you know, a notch, uh, you know, mm. like a, wearing it around their neck, like a medal of honor. And there's the rooms, especially NA, are full of people like that that sort of find it quite um, nourishing. Is a good word, and they find it quite nourishing to go to meetings and hear people say, "Yeah, well, I've been to rehab, and it's like, yeah," and, and straight away it's like that probably costs a lot of money. Who paid for that? And everyone's sort of weighing up the cost of it and going, "Oh, they must have a few quid." Yeah. And like, and it's gone up. They've already left recovery just by buying into like the ego of the person yeah. standing up ranting about how they've been to eight rehabs and they still ain't got it but it's all right because you know uh it takes time give time time no there ain't time yeah get on the next one and you might not come back through that door exactly they don't realize it and every minute you're not taking the right steps to get a proper recovery you're actually missing out on the wonderful life you get when you do yeah so wh- why are you here if you just like leaving it to chance again. And I always remember my first sponsor, what he was told when he went, he, you know, he's in that sort of do our crossover moment and he went to a meeting and he sat down, you know, as you do picking uh, everything, picking, you know, um, everyone's carcass, if you like, trying to get a little bit of flesh off it so you can judge it. Um, and, it and some, and he was chatting to someone after, and, and you know he's all from ego and yeah well you know i don't think i'm a, a drunk and all that he goes why don't you just leave he goes it's probably best you just go out there and get on it you're uh, you're a degenerate alcoholic and you just need to go out and suffer more mm. <laughs> so he told him yeah. and that's exactly what happened and he went out and he suffered and when he came back in he, he talks about that story in his pitch, you know, every time he gets up and stands up because that was what he took. If somebody had to say to him, your ego is in the way, go out and have more bad things happen to you. It does talk about in the big book, is, you know, about just you're better off out there in your cups to get a full force of knowledge of what this is about rather than sitting in here going, oh, I don't know go out just get back out there basically that's not verbatim by the way but it's in there no but we know that the fact that the 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 lobby right where uh there's the the decision go to bed or do i go into that bar it sounds amazing the 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 chinking glasses the atmosphere the laughing the the smoky filled room you know with all the the velvet and the cozy hotel you know bar with all you know do i go into there and then he he prayed didn't he he prayed and he said please i don't know what to do what should i do and then he got guided to the phone booth opened up the phone box called the nearest church spoke to a priest Asked the priest if there's an alcoholic in the area. He went, yep, give him his number. He rang him. He said, do you mind if I come around? That was God. That was Bill and Bob. Yeah. Bill and Bob. God working through Bill and Bob. Yeah. That wasn't a God of your own understanding or a table or a tree or, you know, some sort of... Number six bar or whatever <laughs> yeah, number you or might get. a group of drunks or, you know, it was God. We went putting through the church who was a man of God anyway, but I think one half was not. 
Uh, who is the one that he uh, we talked about the other day? The one who. Um... What in the big book are you talking about? Yeah, the the other name. There was another name. There was Ebby. But Ebby, yeah. What was Ebby's story? Ebby Thatcher. He was from the Oxford groups. He was a friend of um, Bill's, and um, he went off to the Oxford groups. And they, in the Oxford groups, they had I think it was uh, six steps that they had and he went off and he got sober and he came and knocked on Bill's door and he's like, yeah, I've got, I've, I've, uh, you know, he's got sober. He's off the drink and Bill was in a state. He'd been drinking. He's like, what's this nut? What's happened to him? What's happened to this bloke? Just have a drink with me. You know, he couldn't work it out. But Ebby, yeah, Ebby Thatcher was the guy that brought the, the six steps of the Oxford groups to Bill. And that's where, the 12 steps come from is from there oh right i think that's what i'm thinking about the marriage of god and the steps yeah because the oxford groups was 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 a church group the oxford group was a church group so there again a church it was church running through it and when you look when you look at the steps god is written i think it's four times on the steps literally the word god it's in four of the steps it is but the god was changed to higher power god of your understanding because bill couldn't cope with the concept of God, yeah? And so it was suggested to him by a friend who visited him when he was in an asylum was, why don't you choose your own concept of God? That's where the religious God ceased to exist and the spiritual God came into play. And there has to be some merit in that because for some, like me with Buddhism, like you with Buddhism, we ha- we this is the way we go sometimes because we have a testimony. We have to know something, learn something, suffer some way in some particular way. Because why? Because at some point in the future, we are going to be stepping up to save other people. Uh, we're, we're going to be using our testimony to bring them in. And so everyone, yeah, so those people who stand up in a meeting and say, I've been to rehab eight times and I'm, I'm, I'll am i probably go out again and it's going to take time. Well, they're going to be the ones that are going to be the saving the people in the future who say that if they ultimately yield to God and do it properly. There, there doesn't need to be a rehab. No, exactly. You just go to the 12-step program. You just do, because I remember I got to a point in my recovery where I was really struggling and I felt like I was having a breakdown. And I just said, someone said to me, just go into uh, rehab and do it that way. And I was like, but I don't have the money. And I went to see this doctor and he said, I could go into his rehab. I could pay this amount of money. And I was like, I just don't have the money. And then someone said to me, if you're prepared to go into rehab and spend all that money, how about you just go to a meeting every day, two, three meetings a day? Why don't you do that? That's rehab. And I was like, all right, single parent at the time, kid goes to school. What do I do when he's at school? Okay, I'm just going to, and I went to three meetings a day. And uh, for, I think it was 90, 90 days. No, what did they do? 1990. 1990 so i went to minimum one a day uh, they say if if you drank every day go to a meeting every day yeah but i didn't drink every day i was a binge drinker but i just thought okay if if i i need to get well so it's about the commitment you can make to yourself right and so i made that commitment and more i did more 
Um, and so, you know, I got recovery without going in. Did you get recovery then? Well, I got recovery in terms of my sobriety, in terms of not drinking alcohol. Yeah. Because there's did. emotional sobriety and then there's... Yeah. Well, I didn't get properly fully recovered. I would say recovered until I got into um, ACA. That's when that's when I really started to recover properly. So from substances, I, re- I recovered many years ago. I would say, I would say, I never got my proper re- my proper recovery until I got saved. Yeah, because there's an argument for that as well, and maybe a bit further down the line, I might have this conversation with you again and say, yes, I agree, <laughs> but I haven't had enough experience to say. Well, I'm saying it just based on what you know what we've spoken about, which is that the true salvation, the, rather the inheritance that is waiting for us. Uh, from the Trinity, through Jesus, through God, that inheritance doesn't properly show itself until we sign up to the team. And it's at that point then we properly get the inheritance. Having said that, the recovery that I would propose that you're talking about is the one that gives you the practical application towards manoeuvring yourself out of the places where we have the uh, the toxic thinking, you know, the thinking, the problem with the thinking, right? Yeah, it's a starting point, isn't it? It's a journey and a destination. It's the journey to the place where you arrive at properly letting go to the idea, properly letting go to God. God is responsible for me. Anything that God wants to do to me, crack on. Anything you want me to do, just I hope that I'm strong enough to get out of the way so that you can. Because everything that you've done that has proven to me that you do a much better job in fact an epic job than i do in my life and the quicker i can remember that every morning when i wake up the better it's going to be for my day ahead because they say one day at a time but every day i have to remember that god needs to be in charge not me yeah as soon as you open your eyes in the morning that's who's in charge connecting with that i need that it's not like uh, my life stops and now I become this God-bothering Jesus creeper who goes out and buys sandals, right? I'm not saying that. I had the sandals years ago. Yeah, well, you know, you was warming <laughs> to the idea. So did I. When I went to Jerusalem and Israel, I punted, I just jogged around in them. I loved it. The linen outfit. and the. <laughs> Listen. I had them when I was 17, mate. I'll, I'll trump you there. Yeah, and you kept them till you were 47. I still got them, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not that pair, but I've got other ones. They've done more miles than all the apostles together. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that you wake up and, oh, you've given yourself to God, then you won't have a life. It was like that when I said to you, well, what, if I go to meetings, like, what am I, I'm going to have, if I stop drinking, what am I going to do with all my time? That's what I said to you. It's a bit like God, you know, when we give ourselves to God, we think we're going to abandon ourselves. But no, God gives us, us our version of us, the one he wanted us to have, the one we want, the one we... <sighs> Oh, if only we knew we could have had that, you know, like 50 years ago. I would have been like, oh, sign me up, man. I'd have had 50 years of this now. So I think I've got, I'm coming up to eight years of recovery. And I'm like, my life is amazing. And I've had seven years of, you know, signed up to Jesus. My life is incredible. And I'm like, imagine if I had that from the off. It'd be like, what? 
but then you wouldn't be in you wouldn't be where you are now yeah do you know what i mean it's all relative isn't it to you wasn't meant to always have it because if you didn't have all those experiences you wouldn't have a great testimony would you and this brings us full circle to where we started really which is 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 this is about we're in a spiritual war we never started there but we kind of like this this seems to be the uh the primo uh topic that seems to resonate through everything that he's spoken about or, or anything that is heading towards a, a solution-based future is that we're in a spiritual war and that we're up against satan basically well i mean it's a done deal it, like god wins as you've already you know sent me the t-shirt to proclaim god does win god knows that the devil knows that but he's just trying to do as much damage as he can along the way and get as many people as he can into hell because he you know it's a big furnace down there he needs people to burn up and have some fun terrorizing and torturing and destroying over and over again for eternity feeding off yeah, eating them, spewing them out, and you feel everything, you know, you, eternal screaming and hell, basically. And people talk about the word, they use the word hell like it's funny, or, you know, I, I took a photo of uh, this hellish photo uh, uh, marked in a game. It was on the, you know, it was eight feet tall on the side of a bus. Horrible, horrible image. And it, people have like just taken it on as normal. Like the devil has infiltrated people's thoughts, their vision, their visuals. You know, they're pumping down through the media, through uh, through advertisements. It's all about. Mm. And even in the language, when people say, "Oh hell yeah," like do they realise what they're saying? Hell yeah! Yeah, they're saying, "Come on, bring it on!" It's like, and then if you if and I have and I've challenged people occasionally over that. I say, "Do you, you realise what you're saying? You don't want to go to hell. Trust me, because I've seen it in my life after death. I saw into it, and and I woke up. I cried for three days. I lost. Oh man, I, even now, it, uh, I could quite you know you know how difficult it is for me to find uh tears and to cry because they've been locked away but with that i reckon if i sat and meditated on that for a few minutes it might get me going i think that's my go-to crying thing because it is the worst it's horrible and then when people talk and they i challenge them and they go and they and they even post on instagram and stuff and they go nah i'm going to hell i've been i've been horrible uh, and i'm going to hell and I'm, i'm better off down there you know like like what are you saying you have no idea what you're saying where you're going to what's going to happen to you if you anyone listening to Mm. this is considering that as an option check yourself man you need jesus you need jesus right now ask jesus to come into your heart right now and save you from hell because do you want to take the chance do you really do you want to do you want to take the chance that even though you're reject jesus you reject god do you really want to take your chance that you end up in a place where you become the most heinous devilish things plaything for the rest of eternity you feel every element every part of pain that ever exists by everybody that's in there you feel it as well but you don't want that i don't think fear i don't think people realize what they're saying it just becomes common language and it's something that i discovered just by reading the Bible, you know, salt of the earth, that geezer, salt of the earth. Oh, yeah, they're salt of the earth, that one. Didn't realise that Jesus said that. Jesus actually said that. And I've been using, I've been hearing that, and that 
and saying it for years. Oh, I didn't know it was from, from the Bible. And there's so many things in the, uh, from the Bible. And in, in Bob, I'm going to say Bob Marley because I love Bob Marley, but even listening to his music now, so many of his lyrics are Bible from Bible scripture. Once salt loses its saltiness, it never comes back. Yeah, so you've got to stay sorted. <laughs> and sorted as in S-O-R-T-E-D. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm sorted. Well, are you? Have you had your head in the Bible today? <laughs> <laughs> so sorted is two, it's the same, you know, S-A-L-T-E-D, sorted and sorted. Salt and light, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. It's saying, if you don't get this, you're going to the devil. That's Matthew 5.13. The parable of, you know, salt, once it loses its saltiness, is no longer salty and it'll never be salty again, is to do with how far you will be taken by the devil and how far away from Jesus you will be, there will be a point of no return. That is when judgment day comes and you're going into hell. That is the point where the saltiness loses any part of salt that it had. Because you could have just a tiny little piece at the end and that might be enough to get you in. But if it's all gone because you signed up to everything devilish, bought into the narrative, because that's what's being fed, in my one, it says to be trampled and trampled underfoot by men. Yeah, man, man's law. Yeah, not God, God's law. And I love Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And that salt he's talking about is the word, isn't it? It's the, the kingdom, you know, your inheritance. Right. And this is the this is the challenge is to and let your conversation be always full of grace. Can you imagine going out into the world like and, and with everybody you connect just talking from a biblical narrative? Could you imagine? Wow, well, that that'd be Jesus then, wouldn't it? Be Jesus if you could do that. Well, he's saying you can. You've just got to stay in the word. My you know my first pastor always says that. Stay in the word. Be Jesus-like. All of this seems to, because we started off with the legalese, we went through the whole salvation sort of experience through the salvation in a physical sense, through the recovery version. And then you said, can I make a suggestion? When I told you I, I think I'm an alcoholic, you said, strike while the iron's hot, go to a meeting. And then eventually I got to one. You helped me out with that. And then several six years later when i've been ministering to you about jesus and then you ring me and you say you know and i think can i start while the arms hot that's that that was that bit that we didn't finish off which is that yeah was it six years later i got sober 23rd of september 2013 right okay so six or seven years later then i got saved st david's day on um 2014 it took half the time for jesus to get to me jesus works quicker no no i I work (laughs) twice as quick as you (laughs) (laughs) no jesus works twice as quick all right yeah fair enough but i get to make choices so really it was a team effort it was me and jesus yeah okay whereas i was working on my own no i'll tell you why it took you twice as long because you was working with buddha (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I wasn't working with Buddha at the time. What, to get I me wasn't. into sobriety? Yeah. I Who was, was you I, working with? Well, I was on my own, mate. I was with God, on my understanding of God, because I didn't start practicing Buddhism until 2010. Ah. Oh. 2010, 2011. That's interesting because when I went overseas, I left you with my prized Buddha. And then when I came yeah. back to visit you, this is before you got saved, I left you with my, my prize Peacock feather. From Capernaum. I personally picked up from Capernaum. Um, that feather's done wonders, isn't it? It's wow. See the energy it's had over Buddha. Oh, energy. There's a. It's literally in the same place on my. Um, on my chest of drawers. I don't know if you're allowed to use that, but I'm not getting rid of that Buddha because it reminds me of you. It's not that I'm idolizing Buddha. Oh, okay. That's because it's it's you. When I looked at Buddha, it's I wasn't looking at it as oh that's Buddha. I'm looking at it. Oh, my brother gave me that. Well, you offered it to. You said I'm not sure who to give it to. I'm gonna give it to. Can I say who? Yeah. I was going to give it to you, Mum, or we were both there at the same time, or maybe to me because that's what I'm practicing. And Mum said for me to have it. She did, I remember. I said I'd really love it, and she sort of reneged on it and said you have it to me. See, she's a good woman in there. Yeah. Yeah, she's got a good heart. There's no denying that. It's just she gets led astray by... The devil. Yeah, by the devil. The Satan, you know, and you know, Satan puts people in our lives that keep us from Jesus. She had like a good heart, and I, I don't know if it would have been so easy for me to forgive her. So that sort of it all ties into the the corruption of uh, the devil working in society to provide people with distractions, which is what you were talking about that there were distractions that kept you from Jesus. And these are all the things, addictions, uh, family trauma, yeah. the trauma of family members passing down trauma onto you inadvertently through their continuation of the behavior without seeking uh, resolution or accepting that they have a problem that is uh, pertinent just only to them. Because it's everyone else's problem. It's where I live. It's the friends I have. It's the relationships I've had. But it's not my fault. Yeah. And so... The society and, and what I talked about in the previous podcast about self, the the, the 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 Satan's machine is trying to make everyone be selfish and and ego driven and play God, self-serving, yeah, yeah, and not that whatever you do, you're not going to be given an opportunity to find God. Well, he, he doesn't, but he knows that we're all out here doing, you know, working overtime to get as many people into the kingdom as we can. Yeah, and he's out there working overtime trying to keep as many people away from uh, their inheritance as he can because it's open to everybody God's law is the way to go Digital Jesus Digital Jesus Digital Jesus Digital Jesus Digital Jesus Digital Jesus